0: It demands that we tell sinners the whole truth. We will not go quietly into the night. but truth says this is for my glory. Christian Cornerstone Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another broadcast. Now 1 Peter 2.11, I'm sorry not 2.11, 2.21 tells us, For God has called you to do good even if it means suffering just as Christ has suffered for you he is your example and you must follow in his footsteps this brings us to our next episode of the series we're doing over the book of revelations this is uh, we're talking about uh, these warnings to the church Christ has seven churches there's seven churches in the book of Revelation Uh, Christ himself writes this letter these are his words uh, that he's writing, uh, Paul or no, sorry, not Paul. John himself is the one who is penning the words, and he's having them delivered off to these seven churches, warnings, and uh, you know, there's two churches here that are given a, a uh, encouragement, and which is what we're getting into tonight. Smyrna itself is the church of suffering. I want to thank you guys for chiming in. Thank you for uh, checking in on this broadcast. Thank you for subscribing. If you do enjoy these broadcasts, if you enjoy these videos, however you're watching this, please feel free to like, share if you're on Facebook. Uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, uh, we got iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and a bunch more options that are available uh, on, a, on the uh, ChristianCornerstone.org website. You can check that out by going to ChristianCornerstone.org uh, and checking out the media page. Now, as we get into this, I want to encourage you guys to open up your Bibles and uh, follow along if you like. Any questions, comments, put them in the, well, comment section if you're listening to a live stream or even watching the video later. For those of you who are listening in on the audio, feel free to contact us on our website or, again, through Facebook, Christian Cornerstone, uh, is the Facebook page. Uh, now, today, Smyrna itself, as we get into this, we're going to just kind of jump into this, um, you know, see what happens here. Smyrna itself was was uh, commended by God, by Jesus Christ, uh, the man who's writing to these seven churches. Smyrna itself uh, has such a losing hope, if you wish. I mean, they, they're, they're, they're dealing with a lot of suffering, a lot of persecution. Their friends are dying. And, you know, what else is there? But Christ writes to them, and he tells them, "Is like, I know who you are. I know your tribulations, and I know your poverty, which we'll get into here in a minute. But the background setting here for Smyrna is that it was a thriving seaport, Uh, and I want to actually check this out for those of you who might be watching this video. Ah, yes, I don't know if I shared this, um, I don't recall sharing this last week, and for those of you who are watching this, let me actually see if I can get a better copy All right, let me flip this book open here, and we'll kind of get to the nitty-gritty of this. Um, No, 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 no. Holy Kingdom, the Holy Land, Maps. We want Maps. Holy Land then and now. Oh, let's see. I cannot find it. Fruits of the Spirit, the Armor of God. Here we go. Here we go. This is awesome. This is what I was looking for. Um, This is the seven churches, and what's interesting about this is from the island of... One of these two, Patmos, if you guys can check this out, one of these two little islands right here is where uh, John is being um, exiled. That's where he's living out the rest of his days. But from this, we're going from Ephesus down here up to Smyrna and then Pergamum and then all the way back down here to Laodicea. So it's not really like he's jumping around. He's actually taking a little bit of a road trip around the country of Asia Minor, which for those of you who do not know your geology, much like myself, is known as Turkey today. I only know that because it's in this book. Now, what's going on here in this suffering here, um, or in this church? Is it's a, it, it was a seaport, which is now called Izmir, uh, otherwise known as Turkey, or in Izmir, Izmir in Turkey. And it's about 35 miles north of Ephesus, so it's really not that far. Uh, on foot, it's probably going to take a couple hours to get to. It's found, uh, founded as a Greek colony more than 1,000 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. So it was already there. It's paralleled Ephesus, it paralleled Ephesus in its wealth and its beauty and even in its commerce. Proud of being a city of the poet Homer, which we know a lot about, which is kind of interesting. I don't know the numbers. I don't really know his work, but I believe it's 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 really interesting. Homer himself has a little a lot less copies of his work. ...than we do of the scriptures today, and yet there's some people who affirm Homer's writings more than they do the Word of God. Something kind of interesting to point out there, and it was filled with a pagan pagan temples to Apollo, Asclepia, Aphrodite, Sable, and, and what's interesting about this is Emperor Tiberius was also believed to be a god in fact we'll get a little bit more into that in one of the next episodes and also another temple was to the great zeus now what's interesting about this in this time rome there was a law that you had to essentially worship and again this we'll get more into this later but i wanted to share this because we have let's count these here we have apollo asclepia aphrodite Sibyl, tiberius and even Zeus so there's six at least six uh, temples to gods and yes Emperor Tiberius was considered a god um, Rome itself uh, they, they, they viewed highly of that you could worship any single god you want to but you had to worship Tiberius first and that's why we find out later that's why we have a couple of these churches which are, are dealing greatly with some of these troubles because they're not bowing down to Tiberius Caesar as God Sure, he might be the governing force of this kingdom, uh, and we got to respect him in said manner, but we cannot bow down to Emperor Tiberius as our god. But the rule was you're welcome to uh, recognize any other gods that you want to, but you must bow down and recognize Tiberius first, and thus actually giving you a certificate, which we'll get into. Again, I'm repeating myself. We'll get into it in a later podcast. I'm kind of getting ahead of the game. Although it was really free, uh, it was a free city, It gave its full allegiance to the Roman Empire, which ordered Polycarp, the Bishop of Smyrna, to be burned at the stake of Rome. The Temple of Athena, dating back to the 7th century BC, was the most important building in that period. And it was famous for its superb school of medicine. And although origin of the city is not mentioned within the Bible itself, the Church of Smyrna probably... Was founded by the believers of Ephesus. Why would we think that? Because Ephesus itself was one of the key points, and the, the idea of planting churches is is something that they obviously did, because we have places all over the all over the known world being established. Um, more you we have uh, Ephesus, Smyrna, Thyatira, Pergamum, Sardis, Philadelphia, Colossi, Galatia. You know any other any other church, any other place that you can think of there's a church being established there. Anytime you find a Christian getting into that period. So that's what's going on here. It was probably, most likely, founded by the people of Ephesus as they branched off and they went to other cities. Now, Polycarp himself, he was the bishop of Smyrna, lived about 69 AD uh, to about 155 AD. So think of that, 70 AD, approximately. 70 AD, you have... uh, Paul himself is still around. He's writing his, some of his writings in about 70 75 AD. Uh, John, the, John, not John the Baptist, John the Baptist is dead. We lost his head. John uh, the Apostle, who writes the book of Revelation, he's floating around. In fact, he's the one giving credit uh, to this. He's the one who wrote the book of Revelation. Um, and uh, so he's floating around. But Polycarp himself, being this bishop, he died as a martyr. This means he died for his faith. He was bounded and burned at the stake, and when the fire, listen to this, when the fire failed to touch him, he was then stabbed. So, for whatever reason, and I would presume it would be supernatural, um, the fire failed to burn him. So because of that, we've got to take alternate modes of execution. If the fire's not going to work, let's do second best. He's already tied up, he can't go anywhere, so let's just go ahead and stab him and kill him. Irenaeus, or an arch- uh, not a scholar, a scribe named Irenaeus records that Polycarp was actually a student of John the, uh, not John the Baptist, uh, John the Apostle. I'm getting these guys mixed up. Now, if we read into this, again, I want you to open up your Bibles here. It's going to be quick. I don't have much uh, to share uh, this, at this time around, as well as uh, we also only have about uh, three verses to look through. But I want you to follow around. Uh, within your Bible, the book of Revelation, chapter 2, and we're going to be going through chapter 8 through 11 today. To the angel of the church of Smyrna, write, the words, uh, the words of the first and the last, who died and came to life. I know your tribulations and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful even unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit of the, says to the church, The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Now, again, we went over this last week. I wanted to point out this again this week here, uh, starting in verse 8. In verse 8 here, it says, To the angel of the church in Smyrna, write this, the words of the first and the last. First off, we go back to the angel of the church. This, again, is not talking about a celestial being. It's not talking about Michael. It's not talking about Raphael. It's not talking about uh, Gabriel. It's not talking about any of the other angels that are named within the scriptures. This is not even talking about an angel with wings, a celestial being, like I said. It's not talking about one of these servants of the Lord. What this is referring to, angelos, if I'm pronouncing that properly, is Greek for messenger. Or in this case, the pastor, the leader of the church or the prophet. This is is to the pastor of this church. In which Jesus himself is writing. He's saying, John, I need you to be my secretary for this church. I need you to write what I have to tell you down. And then after that, I need you to go ahead and deliver it. Um, or make sure it gets delivered. The angel itself is the, the pastor of the church. And we have these today. If you go to a church, uh, local church or something, you know you're, you're well familiar with what a pastor is. You're well familiar with what they do. They're essentially the leader of the flock. This is who he's writing to. And he says here the first, the words of the first and the last. Who is the first and the last? It is Jesus Christ. He is the, he is from the beginning of time, and he will exist to the end of time. He is the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, which uh, as I flip over here, I believe we have this in, um, I don't have these in my notes here, but I believe he did the same thing to the church in, he who holds the seven stars. Yes, in chapter two, um, in, in the last church, he has this as well. These lampstands, he's, he's signifying, uh, in, in chapter 1, he goes over this. Um, what we have here in verse 12, he says, Then I turned and see a voice speaking to me, and now turning, on, turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. He saw these seven, and Christ tells the church at Ephesus, I am the one who walks among these seven golden lampstands. These seven golden lampstands are the seven churches. And he says, I am the one that walks among them. I am the one that controls them. I am the one that decides their fate. I am the one that redeems them. I am the one that judges them. This is Christ. And likewise, he's doing the same thing here with the church at Smyrna, where he says that I am the first and I am the last. There is no other before him and there will be none after him. He is the beginning and he is the end. He is the one who died. He died in approximately 30 A.D., and he came to life just a couple days later. I know your tribulations, and I know your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say they are Jews are not, but they are a synagogue of Satan. Verse 9 here. This is a very big one here. They have some strengths. This church itself has some strengths. They are enduring through this poverty. He says, I know your tribulations. I know your struggles. I know the problems that you have. And I know of your poverty. But even through this, even though you have poverty, even though you don't have any money or, or, or limited money, and you have limited resources to help fund this church, to fund this establishment, to, to take care of everybody, to, to, to feed everybody, to provide for everybody, even though you don't have this, even though you are suffering, even though it looks like all is lost. My dear beloved Smyrna take heart because even though you have this you are still rich you are rich with the Holy Spirit you are rich in the eyes of God you are rich with the love of the Lord and even so you who have waited, you have still to wait because your rewards are being stored up in the kingdom of heaven and I can tell you it is bountiful for you my child these are words of encouragement in which Christ is giving to this church. And when all hope, when all seems lost, he says, you are rich. You are doing well. I want to read this once more. I know your tribulations, but, uh, I know your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say they are Jews, but are not. But they are a synagogue of Satan. You know, and that's what I want to po- uh, uh, poke around a little bit. It says these are people who say they are Jews, though they say that they are Jews, they are not. Does this sound familiar? If we look back, and I want to say uh, John uh, chapter 8, I believe, is what it is. John chapter 8, What is the words Christ himself tells these uh, followers? What does he tell the Pharisees? What does he tell these Jews? Though they claim to be Jews, though they claim to be disciples, what are they? The Jews answer him saying, I have to look here in a minute. I believe I'm in the wrong chapter. Ah, here we go. Here we go. I was a little ahead of myself. they answered him, uh, he said, uh, going in the the previous verse here, in verse uh, 37, it says, uh, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, and yet you seek to kill me. My words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you... Do what you have heard from your Father. Jesus Christ is claiming God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, to be his Father. And meanwhile, he's saying, you're doing what you have done, what you have heard, through your Father. That alone, that statement alone, is implying that we don't have the same Father. We don't have the same God. And then they try to correct Christ, and he says, Abraham is our Father. And Jesus said, well, you know, perhaps by blood... Yes, Abraham may be your father. But through the very point that really matters, the spiritual case, he's not. They answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said, if you were children, Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you nothing but the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your father. And they said to him, we are not born of sexual immorality. We have but one father, even God. And Jesus said to him, if God were your father, you would love me because I came from the father. You would love him because Christ himself in the spirit of God, he would be your brother. More importantly, he would be your Lord. He would be your father, he would be your king. Jesus said to him, even if God uh, were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came not on my own accord, but he, referring to God the Father, sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Is it because It is because you cannot bear to hear my words. You are the father of the devil, or you... you are of your father the devil and your will is doing your father's desires what is satan's desires to put an end to the messiah to put an end to the kingship to bring about a false religion to manipulate people to lead them astray You are of the father your devil, and you do the works your father desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not understand, and he does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. He doesn't like the truth. But he lies. He speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth and you do not believe me, which one of you convicts me of sin? When I tell you the truth, if I tell you the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. I think that's an important word to focus on because as we go through this, as we go through this uh, study, this is the very important thing. Christ Himself is giving a rebuke to these churches. There are seven churches, seven churches with seven problems. The first church that we went over with was a a church that was so focused on, uh, I guess the way I would say it, is, is getting into the pharisaical mindset. They were so focused on, we have to do it this way, this way, this way, this way, that they failed to realize that they weren't doing it for God, but that they were doing it for themselves. And Christ holds guilt upon them, and he says, you need to return back to the lost love, to the love that you had at the beginning. Otherwise I will rebuke you. Otherwise, if you do not repent, I will remove your lampstand, and there will be judgment against you. Likewise, there's a problem here in Smyrna. There's suffering. But here's this the reason I shared that last passage, the reason the reason Jesus says is like you are children of Satan is not just because they were, but because they were part of the religious system of the what we presume a false sense of christianity which we have that today it's called catholicism and it's it's called catholicism it's called an strain towards methodist it's it's uh, the charismatic movement we've got a lot of these these are false ideas and i gotta stress this again jesus christ never came to abolish religion You know, we could say that it's not about religion, but it's about a relationship. But the problem with that is everybody has a relationship with Christ some way or another. He is either your Savior, He is either your Lord, your Redeemer, your King, or He is your judge. And this is why He writes these letters so that He does not have to be the judge. I know you have endured so much, so much poverty, so much slander of those who say that they are Jews, but they are not, but they are a synagogue of Satan. I think that's really important to recognize, and let me actually double check on my uh, vocabulary here to make sure that I'm not actually getting this wrong. Um... I believe synagogue itself is plural. Ah, there we go. It's a plural form of church. So in other words, Christ is saying that this is a church of Satan, not Smyrna, but church as in the congregation, the community. These people who are who are throwing slander at your way, who are who are calling you a liar, or who are who are accusing you of greed, who are accusing you of uh, hypocrisy who are accusing you of being unloving. How these, my children, these, my children, are the children of Satan. But take heart. You know, like with Jesus, we have very uh, the very people who claim to be the children of God, which is what we have here, they are not. In fact, they are children of the devil. These people belong to Satan. And this is really something that we need to recognize in the world today we need to recognize false teachings and false prophets where they exist and I share this every single time we talk about false falsehood is uh, and I shared this actually at church one day is a false teacher is not born a false teacher they're taught up in the ways of teachings because the false teacher is taught by a false teacher or a false teaching. And by piecing all of this together and accepting this idea, and being that they've, they've accepted it as true, as gospel, that is when it begins to become a problem. That is when it becomes a false teaching. You don't start off as a false teacher you're grown into it you 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 start off with with learning but you're learning from the wrong people and thus begin to go that same route and if it's not corrected there here's a key point here's how you can recognize a false teacher when you find the error confront them on the error and if they do not listen to this error and they try to throw you down as in you're wrong, you, you know, you're unloving, you're, you don't know what you're talking about, you're, you're, you're mixing up words, however you want to word it, if you absolutely know it to be true, and I'm not saying though know, because there, there's some things in my past that I've thought to be true and I've learned that are not. And if you're one of those people, you know, let's say myself it was five, ten years ago, whenever whenever it was, it was that long ago, when I would have had this wrong idea, this wrong understanding, and yet, you know, at that time I thought it was right. What you need to do is find this context, look into the context, or find this, find this issue that you're, you're bringing up, look into the context, study it. And when you study it and you know, you know that yourself to be true, then go back to it. I actually remember over a year ago, I actually confronted a pastor. I bring this up quite a bit as well. And the issue itself, it, it tore me apart. I actually spent probably a good month and a half, if not a little bit more, studying the topic. Because I, uh, I was accused of being in, in error. I was accused of being unloving. And and I looked into this. And I tried to even you know study it from their point of view. But everything that I could find in my research, everything—I uh, believe, Bible.org stuff from John MacArthur, John Piper, uh, GotQuestions.org, Chris Bronze, uh, There's a couple of other ministries as well. I don't remember them offhand. But all of them were essentially saying the same thing. You know, I, I was—I was in the mindset of I am wrong. So what's the truth? And I tried even searching it from that mindset as well, and I kept coming back with, "You are right. Here is what it means." I had no choice but to confront the issue. And through that, this minister, even even the church, did not chose not to listen. And those are evidence that these people who say they are believers, who say they are Christians, really aren't. Because number one, they don't accept rebuke. Number two, they don't accept a, a, a correction of the faith. But rather, their, their preacher... If you want to call him that he gets in the mindset of we can believe whatever we want as long as we focus on Jesus it doesn't matter what we believe as long as we focus on Jesus huge errors in that which we went over with already you can check that out in uh, our uh, episode of why theology matters but this is a congregation of Satan and Christ comes back with him and these false teachers in which we have today we've got some like Joel Osteen Stephen Furtick Joyce Myers uh, Benny Hinn, Beth Moore, Andy Stanley is fitting in the bill as well. And we even have a, lo- lo- a couple local churches here, Living Truth Ministries, led by a, uh, Tony, uh, excuse me, a Tony Perry, Anthony Perry, whatever he's going by. We have a Lifehouse Church, I believe is what it's called, here locally again, um, led by, I could have his name wrong, I think it's Matt Braun, if I remember right. Um, that's an error too. We have these in our communities, and we need to expose it. Just because the church says they're a church, just because they slap on a cross in front of their building, does not mean anything. And we find this here in the book of Revelation as well. Seven churches. Five of these seven churches, Christ rebukes and Christ warns that if you do not repent... If you do not repent, I will remove your lampstand. In other words, what Christ is saying there is, I will remove you. I will remove this church, and it will exist no longer. So Jesus knows these hardships. In the face of suffering, uh, we've already actually, no, I'm sorry. Do not uh, do not fear what you are about to suffer, but behold, that the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have these tribulations. 10 days. He says, do not fear. I think this is really something that we need to grasp because the church today, no longer phrase that, the believer today, and myself included, we have certain things we're afraid of. You know, I've went over this before. I have uh, I've, I've, did a, a broadcast, uh, not a broadcast, I put together a blog article some time ago, I want to say earlier this year, maybe late last year, um, about the issue. Um, you know talking about fear and how I was perceiving it was that there's two two levels of fear there is what I would call a personal fear which is you know something minor something that's really not going to affect you much like a, you know a fear of spiders fear of bugs uh, fear of reptiles fear of heights I got that one down um, you know whatever fear that you might have these are personal fears meaningless fears in fact fear itself is completely meaningless it's pointless when you are in the body of Christ why because you have more power over fear Paul tells Timothy in his letters that that we were not given the spirit of fear, but we were given the spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Listen to that. Spirit of power. This is a strong spirit. This is a spirit that has the authority over the demons of fear. We have the power of love, or we have the spirit of love. This is the ultimate agape love. This is the love that you can only know, you can only grasp, you can only comprehend and you can only give when you truly have the love of the Lord inside you. We see this in 1 John chapter 4. And the spirit of self-discipline. Control. Self-controlling of our, of our struggles, of our, of our angers, of our emotions, of our desires, of our temptations we have given we have been given the spirit of self-control why because anybody you can't you can't properly or successfully overcome sin unless you have the one who is stronger than the tempter himself and there's if you're not if you don't have the holy spirit of god inside you you are not stronger than satan he's a celestial being he's got more power than we do but if the Holy Spirit of God dwells inside of you, and you are born again, if you are of the body of Christ, there is absolutely no reason that you need to fear. We were talking about this in our men's uh, men's study group uh, a couple of weeks ago. You know, the things that stop us from evangelizing. There's, you know, essentially it comes down to fear. You know, I, I'm, i I'm, you know, the, these these ideas are. I'm afraid. I don't. You know, I don't know a lot. I'm afraid they'll reject me. I'm afraid they'll hate me. Um, I'm afraid I'm not equipped enough. You know. I'll, um, whatever else that you can possibly think of, whatever you can think of that stops you from delivering the gospel, the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, is it, whatever it comes to be a fear, if you are in the body of Christ, is pointless because you have the power over that fear. You have the love of God to reach out to the one that is troubled, that is in need of mercy, and you have the self-control to overcome these obstacles. Again, this self-control only comes through those who have been born by the Spirit of God. Because without, without Him, we have no control over our, over our natural human uh, actions. Because we're just people of evil. We naturally do evil. But He says, do not fear this is obviously a different kind of fear that's taking place, you know, because they're, they're about to suffer. There's, there's nobody stopping them from presenting the gospel. They are about to suffer for the gospel. And Christ says us, do not fear for what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. Some of you are about to be locked up. Be faithful even unto death. Now, we don't personally know how many people of the church of Smyrna died. We don't know how many people were locked into prison because all Christ says is there are some. Some of you. Then That would imply that there's others who were not. Others who were not persecuted. Others who were not thrown in jail. You know, Jesus knows their hardships. He had to go through it. I had to endure this. I had to, you know, I I I had to be I was nailed to a cross. I was flogged. I had nine tails slapped on my back, ripping the skin off of me. I had nails driven through my arms and my hands, my feet. And I had to hang on a board for hours on end until the full wrath of God was completed. Know what you're going through, Smyrna. You know, unlike the church in Ephesus, Smyrna was not, did not lose their first love. They've not fallen away as as, as if they once had, such as Ephesus. Jesus strengthens, strengthens their faith by letting them know that they will be locked up, they will be put in prison, and some of them will face death. They will have their, test, faith, their faith tested for 10 days. And again, we don't know if they were killed or simply released. But we know that there was some serious persecution going on. And what we do know about this... Here's what we do know. After 10 days, they were set free. Now, wait a minute. Didn't, didn't I just say that we don't know if they were set free? I said they were actually... We don't know if they were released back into the world. Meaning the doors were open of prison and, you know, you're welcome to go along your merry way. We do not know that at all. We know that they were locked into in for ten days. They were challenged for their faith. And then after ten days they were free. They were free from the bondage that laid before them. Whether this be a spiritual bondage, you know, being stuck in the flesh and the sinful nature being bound to the to the world because of this, and that they were set free, released, that their spirit went to the kingdom of heaven, or if they were set free, simply that the doors opened. We don't know. Ten days is really nothing compared to a lifetime. You know, a lifetime is nothing compared to eternity. Think about that. This is a church that's suffering. This is a church that's going to be locked up. And they've got to endure whatever hardships that they face for 10 days. One week. For one week. One week they're dealing with this. Now, with whatever you're dealing with, Because everybody's got something. Everybody's got a struggle. Everybody's got some, some, some burden that they need to have lifted. What is that? In our lifetime, we will have these struggles. In our lifetime, we will have these problems. In our lifetime, we will deal with some level of persecution, though some of us may not die for our faith. We will still be mocked. We will be slandered. You've even had some people here in America and across the countries, across the world, even that have lost their jobs. I recently saw an article last week that a doctor, I think it was last week, a doctor himself lost his job in the UK because he would not identify a, a person that came say he would not identify one of his patients by their preferred pronoun. Instead, he identified them By their given, they're born, the God-given gender. Man, woman, he, she. The one that they were originally designed with. That's how he preferred, that's how he spoke to them. And he was fired for it. We'll have people, we'll have stuff like that. All the time. But even so, listen to this. How long is a lifetime? Ten days. They're, 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 They're dealing with this for ten days, and then after ten days, they're going home. But those of us that have to deal with it for a lifetime, we got to deal with it for 30, 40, 50 years, 60 or 70 if you're lucky. And then after that, our bodies die. So while we're here on this world, we're going to have these sufferings. But again, that's going to be nothing compared to eternity. Eternity itself is eternity. It sounds pretty simple enough, doesn't it? Eternity and eternal life. This is an endless life. This is an endless state of either heaven or hell. Smyrna itself, these people in which Christ is writing to, these people will receive the kingdom of heaven. We find this out here in verse uh, 11. Verse 10 says here, But be faithful even unto death, even to the end of your life. Be faithful to me. Be loyal to me. Submit to me as your Lord. Follow my ways. Follow my will. And if you do, I will give you the crown of life it's not an actual crown on the head it doesn't refer to the kind of crown that royalty wears but uh you know essentially a wreath that's awarded to athletes in that time period and I think we might still do this with the Olympics as well but that's what's going on they, they will receive their reward for winning the race. On the flip side to this, some people who may be listening to this might even be identifying themselves as the people of Satan. And if that's the truth, if that's your destination, I encourage you, and I strongly warn anybody to turn from that lifestyle Submit to the Lord, because as we've said, you know, a lifetime, a lifetime of suffering is nothing compared to an eternity of suffering. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all I have for you tonight, today, this afternoon. Uh, If you have any questions, comments, concerns, please feel free to put them in the comments below Uh, if you're watching on Facebook on our video. You know, if you're listening to the audio broadcast, you can uh, go ahead and contact us at christiancornerstone.org. And again, we didn't share this at the beginning, but if you enjoy these broadcasts, you have faith in what's being offered, please consider becoming a financial subscriber to this. You can do that by going to christiancornerstone.org and clicking on the Support Us tab, and that'll direct you as well. And those of you who are watching this video, there's a link in the description for subscribing, for sending uh, voice messages that we can possibly throw on these broadcasts, um, and uh, as well as... uh, you know financially supporting this ministry. Without further ado, I hope you guys have yourself a very wonderful weekend and God bless.